I didn't realize I thought that I had Patty's book ordered, which was not Patty's book. It was Tinker's mm. book. So then I was like, oh, fuck. So now I have to find the mind reader. And I didn't think I had it in my stash. And it was not on digital book. So uh. I thought I was going to have to push Patty's book off and do um, what Holly heard, which is the next one. And I was messaging her on Patreon and she was super cool about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I found the damn book. As I went to get the other book, and I was like, I'm a moron. Please continue. Like, I'm not. I may actually be losing my mind. I think we're all losing our minds. Like, I just space out, and my mom's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know where no. I went. My I brain isn't left. working, and I need it I to left. work. The idea of watching the BBC version of Jane Eyre for hours on end and, like, hand-stitching a castle while drinking bourbon seemed like a real good time. <laughs> And it was. And it Good. is. It's something Good. that I've been repeating. I don't know why. I don't know where this, like, obsession with Regency stuff has happened lately. <laughs> I think it started when I watched Emma on HBO Max. Mm. And I was like, oh, I love these movies. I forgot I love these movies. These are costume porn. I love these movies. And I went back and was re-watching them. And I like the new Jane Eyre because of the music. But the old Jane Eyre... Oh. I love Michael Fassbender in the mm. new Jane Eyre. I love that one. He's super hot. But in the BBC version, the 1996 or 1997. I don't know version. if I've seen that one. Oh my God. I'm I probably what his name is. But the I guy probably. who played Mr. Rochester, at first you're like, ooh, this guy. And then you kind of notice, wait a minute, he's kind of like tall and broad chested. <laughs> and then, like, the more he talks, he's so, like, flippantly British. It's kind of hot. I'm looking what a dear did you say it was? 97? Like 96 or 97. Oh, it's, it's on Tubi. It's free. And it's odd. It's an odd thing. Like, you're going to see the picture and go, mm, okay, crazy. But it's it's about confidence. Marion Hines. That guy? No way. He's not good looking at all. Maybe Watch back in 1997. <laughs> Watch it and tell me again. Okay. I'll find it. It's on two. In 97, he was tall and broad-shouldered. And okay, I'll check. Because now he is not cute, and he always plays, like, a bad guy. <laughs> uh, it's this one. 1997 TV movie. Give it a chance. You think it's this one? I bet that's what it is, because it was done by the BBC. Does the girl have a horrendous overbite? Not yet. She has a giant forehead. Might not be the same one then. Okay. The one I'm talking about. Hang on, let me find it. With Samantha Morton. Hang on, Samantha Morton. She has this horrible overbite, and it is distracting. She looks like a duck. There's one on Hulu that was done in 1996. Sorry, 2006, and was four no. parts. Oh, maybe that's the one. Hang and it on. has. 2006. That's right. That's Toby, the one. Okay, so it's not Darian Hines. Toby Stevens. Oh, Toby Stevens. He doesn't. He's not that bad looking immediately. He was a it pirate is. in some stuff. I could see that. I could see that. Like he's kind of. All right, I'll check it out. He has that like side eye pirate yes. kind of thing going okay. on. I'll check it know. out. Yeah, this is the right one. It's three hours and 50 minutes. Yes, yes. So there's the other one I found was from, is from 1997 and is 
that I don't know if that was BBC or not, but that's just amazing. No, I know which version you're talking about. Yeah, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. no. Um, but yeah, I was surprised because I didn't think it was going to get better than Michael Fassbender, but it did. Michael Fassbender is so good, though. So good. Um, oh, and I also watched Prometheus. Oh, um, you're on a Fassbender moment. Well, I kind of went from one to the other. I'm like, what else has he done? Um, oh, sorry, they're going to bark. Hi. And who was it? Did David Fincher give us one of the alien movies? Alien 3. 3. Only but alien he, didn't, three. he didn't have a hand in Prometheus. Okay. No. Because really I, saw, I was watching movie. Alien 3 and I was like, wait a minute, David Fincher. I was like, does Danielle know this? Yes, because he's the love of my life. Yes. <laughs> Okay, we have talked for 20 minutes about nothing. Okay. Um, We hadn't talked in a while about nothing. It's true. It's true. And and I should have done the welcome beforehand because I'm going to say, what's new? And we just. (laughs) I can just think of something. Like, I'm buried in work. Just (laughs) Work sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, it was a good warm up. Good warm up. Yeah, warm up. I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. And welcome back to Snacks with Stein. I'm Christy and Danielle is back. She's back with us. She's in wonderful California. Danielle, how are you doing? What's new? Are you staying safe? Tell us what's going on. Hello, everyone. I am back. Sorry, I disappeared. Christy said my name three times in a mirror like Beetlejuice or Candyman and brought me back. So I'm here now. And what's new? We're back in lockdown again in California. I can tell you, I went into Sam's the other day. I don't, I've only been into Sam's two or three times, I think, since March. Mm -hmm. Because again, I'm one of those crazy people that doesn't go anywhere. Every once in a while. So like I have a deep freezer. So what we'll do is um, (laughs) I have a deep freezer and a vacuum packer. So I will go to Sam's and buy a whole bunch of meat. Getting body part. (laughs) Super, super duper cheap. And um, and then we come back and like divvy it up into like individual meals and then vacuum seal it and put it in the deep That's freezer. Smart. But you kind of have to be in person for that. You can't really do that pickup. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So when I was in there um, the other day, they had pallets of toilet paper oh my God. stacked almost to the rafters. Wow. Down multiple aisles. And every person that I was looking at, because I'm I'm always the one, I love it how people feel the need to comment on my cart. Yeah. Um, I will stuff a cart. I have, I feed a whole family. I live 45 minutes away. I'm not fucking around when I go to Sam's. I'll easily spend six, seven hundred dollars. Go on supermarket sweep together. <laughs> I could do it. I can I can pack a cart. You're and like people will come cart. by and like look at my cart and say something stupid like, oh, I'm going to your house or oh, you having a party? Why don't you mind your business? So yes, the toilet paper was out, but I'd say every three out of four people had a huge pack of toilet paper with it's them. It's insane. It's crazy. 
Like no one, and so I forgot to mention, our lockdown, whatever we're calling it, this thing, is only supposed to be for three weeks whenever it starts. So how much are you wiping your ass in three weeks? <laughs> it's not like the first one where we had no idea when the end was. It was like, sorry, we don't know. This is literally supposed to be three weeks to kind of quell everything. And it's like, what are you doing with your butt? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Like, I don't get it. Like, I go to the bathroom like a normal Official human being. Official with Stein stands. What are you doing with your butt? <laughs> yes. Like, we all go to the bathroom. Everybody poops. It's a thing. There's that book. <laughs> we all read it. We got it. But come on. Like, you need to I go to the know. hospital if you go through that paper in three weeks. Or you're one of those crazy people. Like, you know how little kids don't know when to stop? So they pull the whole roll. I, you know, if you're an adult doing that, stop. <laughs> you know when to stop. I don't know. I have no idea. It's I crazy. I, I don't know. So we're back to that. And then it's Christmas. So at least I have my tree. I'm very happy with my Christmas tree. And yes. So this episode's actually going to come out on New Year's Eve. Oh, we have to say Happy New Year then. <laughs> yes, yes, we have to say Happy New Year. I don't know who would be sitting around listening to us on New Year's Eve. But did you see all the people posting their uh, Spotify thing? No, I mean just posting that like they had listened to our show the most in the last year. Yes, or... that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we were in their top five. That was cool. Also neat. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, indeed. So that's yeah. cool. So yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it's been a year, but it has been well over a year. And this is going to come out on New Year's Eve. So happy New Year. Goodbye, good riddance. We're not going to say any shit about 2021 because nope. we don't need that voodoo. Everybody just do your job. It's going to be okay. Do it's going to be job. fine. The official stance of 2020 is 2021 is do your job. Do your job. That's all you have to That's do. It. That's, That's all. my slogan. Well, sit back. Do you have snacks? I do. I have a weird snack. I have peach yogurt. <laughs> that is kind of a weird snack. Totally Why are you eating peach yogurt? Truth be told, it's going to expire. So it happened. <laughs> and it sounded good. So I was like, oh, peach yogurt. Got it. <laughs> Done. I like it. Yeah, I do that all the time. Be like, ooh, I don't really want to eat this, but I hope it goes bad. Yeah, and I married an old man who will like complain if like stuff goes bad. Like, <laughs> I think the other day, like I made too much mac and cheese, and he was like bitching about like how much was left over and getting thrown out. I was like, I will pay you back the fifty cents. <laughs> I'll pay you back per noodle. There was. Well, enjoy your peach yogurt. I will. I have a pop, so I'm gonna be drinking intermittently and trying to get my energy back up. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. Got a diet coke here though. And I Building your crochet castle. Okay, to address the crochet castle, because I don't <laughs> think our listeners are aware, I may or may not have purchased a pattern for a plastic <laughs> canvas Barbie castle. And it's like 154 pages. <laughs> and oh, it's, my Lord. It's a six-room, double, two-story Barbie castle made entirely out of plastic canvas. And I will tell you, I am skeptical after I'm, – I'm on – I'm working on the dining room. And the way that this thing is constructed is ridiculous. Only someone in the 90s <laughs> – 
with no job and like maybe a grandchild, you know, someone who wears a lot of things with cats on them. Um, cool sweatshirts. Cool sweatshirts, right? With the puffy paint would be interested in making this castle and would be interested in developing this castle in the way that it's made because it's not like, oh, you know, we're going to make this cute and stitch it together. This thing has like supports. I had to put the floor together like you would do rebar, okay? <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. And I've been documenting my journey on Facebook yeah, and getting a lot of shit about it with all my Facebook friends, but they're also enjoying it, but also I kind love of it. concerned about my mental health. So, yeah. yes, I am fine. <laughs> and yes, I am making a giant plastic canvas <laughs> castle with a needle and yarn. <laughs> It's going to be okay. I've got Regency Films and Bourbon, and I'm going to get through the end of this year any way that I know how. I want to, yeah, it's good you're documenting it because I want to know how long it takes you. I'm glad you're documenting it because I want to know, like, how long. And that woman on the manual has no soul. Like, she is dead behind (laughs) the eyes. Like, she's dead behind the eyes. So I... In the first few pages of the pattern, there's a picture of the designer of this castle and um, her name and like a little bio. And it is like the most early 90s, late 80s thing you've ever seen. She's got the big like pink tinted glasses and like some amazing hair and like kind of a receding hairline. <laughs> and she does look evil. evil. Um, and uh so, yeah, so I posted a picture of it and everybody's been commenting on like, oh, my God, <laughs> this lady, <laughs> because she created this thing. And um, I don't know if it will ever be done. I, I'm i OK with that. It's going to be all right. So, yeah, so good times. Everybody's doing what they got to do to get through the end of this year. I am going to take you through the end of this year with a story from Fear Street. And this story, um, it was a request. This book was a request from Patty F. I chose this book um, because she's a member of our Team Snacks level on Patreon. So that just means that she contributes financially to the show um, at a level where she gets to request a book for us to cover. And that's what we're doing. That was the most roundabout way for me to say that. Okay, Christy. So, Patty, we are going to do the mind reader for you. That is the book we're covering today. And on the cover of this book, we see kind of like a swirly, ethereal blue background. And in the background, you can see like the spectral image of a girl floating. And in the foreground, there's this like pretty blonde girl. She's sort of curled up in a ball. She's got this really kick-ass like deep side part. But she's looking kind of up and behind her at the spectral girl. And she's, it's a look of fear. Like she's not having, she's not having a good time. Copyright for this book is from 1994 by Parachute Press. And the tagline reads, seeing too much is murder. Ooh. Ooh. So let's get into it. I hope you have a beverage on this New Year's Eve. Here we go. Sarah and Ellie are best friends. Ellie comes into Alma's coffee shop, which is really more like a diner. Uh, They serve food and stuff like that. It's not just coffee. And Sarah, her friend, works there as a waitress. Ellie orders a Diet Coke. She sits at the counter. She visits her friend at work kind of almost every day. But it's also a little bit of an excuse to come and see, like, 
you know, what boys from Shadyside are hanging around the coffee shop. Sarah has this really short, sleek black hair and kind of dark complected skin. She's sarcastic, she's dry, she's, she's very outgoing, like she's funny. Uh, she's not shy around guys at school at all. And of course, Ellie is her opposite, right? She's blonde and she's shy and she kind of like sips her Diet Coke while chatting with Sarah behind the counter. Both girls live alone with their fathers. Ellie's mother died when she was very young and they had to move away from Shadyside for a while to live with her grandfather. But now it's, it's like 14 years later and Ellie's dad got a new job that brought them back to Shadyside. So Ellie had to change schools right before her senior year. So she mm. kind of paired up with Sarah right away. So they've been buddies, but they don't, they don't know a whole lot about each other. Ellie is sitting at the counter, Sarah's behind it, and the bell rings. And a new guy walks in. And he is hot and confident. He's got dark eyes and kind of messy reddish brown hair. And they both notice him. And Ellie surmises that this has to be a college dude, right? Because mm. he looks older and confident and he's very sharply dressed. Which is bullshit because anyone who spends any time in college knows you spend the majority of that time in pajama pants. Unless you're Greek <laughs> and have a dress. But both girls are like openly staring at him. But he locks eyes specifically on Ellie. She kind of blushes and looks away and whispers to Sarah, you know, stop staring at him. But Sarah's one of those girls, like, she's fine to stare. She's going to stare him down until he says something. Mm. And she grabs a menu and she goes over to take his order. A few moments later, Sarah trots back and reports that this guy's name is Brian Tanner. And for some reason, Ellie could just, like, feel him looking at her. And while she thinks that he's hot, this sparks some kind of like fight or flight in her. And she has this weird reaction where she like, she throws some money at Sarah and she literally runs out of the place and down the street, which is awkward because she runs right past the window of Brian's booth. What? <laughs> I know. She Sounds like a bad Hallmark movie or something. She starts running. <laughs> okay. I gotta go. She cannot explain it. She just has this feeling. She she thinks Brian's hot, but she doesn't really want to be around him at all. So she runs. No away. idea why. And so she runs like a crazy person <laughs> uh, right past his window. <laughs> Ellie's already running, so she heads home. She's feeling embarrassed. <laughs> and you'll love this. She's greeted at the door by her giant black lab. <laughs> And his name uh, is Chaz, which Chaz. is a good name for a black girl. Mm -hmm. Yes. She knows yeah. he wants to go out. So she grabs his leash. She doesn't put it on him, though, but she's got it. And she kind of lets him run ahead of her while she jogs behind. Chaz is doing what great big happy labs do. He's playing and sniffing everything. And she's just kind of like following behind him. And they move through a few blocks and they come across Fear Street where a squirrel darts out and Chaz's tail like goes up. He goes full gallop at the squirrel right into Fear Woods. 
And by the time that Ellie catches up to him, he's found a stream. And he's like splashing and he's getting uh -huh. really dirty. He's so happy. In my mind, Chaz has like Doug's voice from up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my name is Chaz and I love you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Ellie's like, yeah, let's just let him play. She's charmed by him. So she sits down on a rock and she starts to think about Brian, you know, because it was a weird thing that happened. Just a little. Well, here's the deal. So she's kind of put off by guys after her last boyfriend because Ellie has visions. Uh, she has visions of the future. And for as long as she can remember, she's had these visions. You know, for a while when she was little, they were fun until she started seeing like bad things before they happened. Like, you know, when she was 10, she saw this vision of her cocker spaniel um, dying, being hit by a car. Aww. And so she, you know, begged her grandparents to tie up the Cocker Spaniel while she was at school. And one day the leash broke and then the Cocker Spaniel got hit by the car. So it's like, it was fun when it wasn't bad stuff that she knew was coming. More than anything, she just wants to be normal. But whenever she gets too close to someone, she would start having visions about them. And she's thinking about that and she looks around, she realizes mm. it's, it's starting to get dark. And she calls Chaz, who comes like bounding out of a bush with this huge bone in his mouth. Mm. And he's so happy to see Ellie. <laughs> and she's thinking, that is really kind of a big bone for a deer. But she wants to get home, so she tells Chaz, drop it, and he does. Um, but instead of following her back out of the woods, he takes one look at her and then takes off in the opposite direction, just like a lab. Yep. She's chasing him. She's calling out. She finally finds him and he's digging. He's ignoring her and he is digging furiously at a mound of leaves. And then he stops and sits. <laughs> Danielle, what did he find? Another a human head. Close. Yep. A human hand. Is what uh, what he's found, Chaz. You've dug up a human hand, and Ellie freaks out, and now it's merited, and takes off running again, calling Chaz, who's excited to chase her now, and they make it out onto the street where she manages to grab Chaz's collar and flag down a car full of kids from school. Ellie explains that she thinks that she's just found a body in Fear Woods and asks them to take her to the police station. When she gets here, there, she tells the guy out front what happened, and of course he warns her, you know, if she's making it all up, she'll be in trouble. And she says, you know, she wishes that she was, but it's true. And they let her go back to talk to Wilkins, Lieutenant Wilkins, who also just happens to be her friend Sarah's father. She tells him what happens, and he believes her believes her enough to take her and two other uniformed officers out to the Fear Woods to see if they can find what she says that she saw. When they get to the woods, Ellie lets go of Chaz's leash and allows him to kind of sniff back to the spot that they were at by the creek and the rock. Ellie finds it. She, she points it out to Wilkins and says that this is where... Chaz first brought her the big bone mm. and after looking for a moment she finds it Wilkins takes one look 
and announces that this was no deer bone, and then he hands it off to one of the other officers to bag for evidence. He asks Ellie to try to find the spot where she thought she saw the hand, and after walking for a while, she thinks that she's found that same mound of leaves, but there was no hand sticking out of the ground. Ellie kind of starts to panic. Was the hand real? Was it part of one of her visions? She asks the cop to switch off their flashlights to see if that'll help her eyes adjust, and once they do, she sees it immediately. The curled, decayed fingers almost shine in the moonlight, and Ellie has a vision where the hand starts to beckon her over to the burial site. Wilkins examines the site and tells Ellie that they'd better get her home. The police were going to have to get a team out there to search the whole area. Ellie explains that she wants to stay and see what they turn up. And in a weird move, they let a miner with a giant dopey dog stay (laughs) at the crime scene. But okay, because a few hours later, a whole group of kids from school show up to hang out on the other side of the yellow police tape blocking that section of the woods. So it turns out it really only took a few hours for those kids who gave Ellie a ride to the police station to tell literally everyone about how Ellie found a dead body in the woods. So naturally, they went to check it out. It's a small town thing. There's not much to do. (laughs) So they're all kind of hanging out, and Sarah comes running up and asks Ellie what's going on. And Ellie explained she found a body. They're talking and they notice the hot guy from the diner, Brian Tanner, amongst the crowd of kids hanging out around the tape line. Then one of the officers calls to Wilkins that they found something. And the girls saw an officer take a small square of red fabric out of the grave. And in this moment, Wilkins looks over to Sarah, his daughter, and has a very kind of pained and sad look. And Sarah takes one look at this piece of fabric and she passes out on the spot. Wilkins rushes over to make sure that his daughter's okay. And once he sees that she is, that she's just fainted, he tells Ellie that it's time to go home. He won't answer any of her questions and just tells her that Sarah will be fine, but that Ellie needs to go home. Okay. Okay. So the next day at school, Sarah is not in school. And Ellie hears from some of the kids in class that Sarah once had an older sister. Her older sister was called Melinda and that she just disappeared one day. And the last thing that she was seen wearing was a red shirt. So everyone at school was saying that the body in the woods could be that of Sarah's older sister. When Ellie gets home, she tries to call Sarah to figure out what's going on, but there's no answer at Sarah's house. If the dead girl was Melinda, that would explain why Ellie had the vision. Ellie Mm -hmm. cares about Sarah, and she only gets visions about people she cares about. Ellie's frustrated, but she heads off to her after-school job, which is shelving books at the Shadyside Library. She was thinking over everything that happened, and she heard a voice. A very sexy, male-type voice. 
the kind that belongs to the hot older college guys who drink coffee in cafes. The voice was asking her where to find a book, and when Ellie turns around, she sees Brian Tanner. Dun, dun, dun. He flirts with her. She flirts back. And she also kind of makes sure to drop in the conversation that she's in high school. Mm. <laughs> and he says that, you know, he goes to the community college. And she also says that, you know, she's new in Shady Side. And he says something like, I know. And she's like, what? And he makes some excuse about, well, you know, he's not seen her around, so she must be new. Um, some other nonsense. Okay. <laughs> Ellie finds the book that they're looking for and kind of brushes that aside. But when she pulls the book off the shelf, in the space left behind is a huge silver knife dripping with blood. And before she can react, the knife shoots out of the space right into her heart and she screams. <laughs> of course, it's just a vision. And now mm-hmm. Brian Tanner knows that Ellie is super crazy. <laughs> but that's not normally like a deterrence for, you know, horny older teenagers. So our girl, you know, might still be in the running. Uh, but she makes this like, oh, it was a mouse. It must have been a mouse. I saw a mouse back there. Uh, and then she is embarrassed enough to run away from him again. She like takes off down the aisle for the front office where she knows he can't go and locks herself in there. Uh, um, so she's effectively escaped Brian again. And she's feeling like a total spaz. Uh, which she should, because she keeps running like Cinderella, right? Mm-hmm. Every time. But as she was running away from him, he called out, Ellie, wait. And the thing that struck her once she was safely locked in the office was that she never told him her name. Oh. So if the body in the grave is Melinda... And you had to pick a killer right now. Who would it be? I have no idea. Am I right? It's kind it? of all over the place. It's in this, all over the place. Like, did she kill her own sister herself? Maybe. <laughs> did she? Like, is it this weird dude in town? Maybe. Maybe there's a there's already some established suspects, but like. Get it? I had to read the first few chapters of this book like twice because I'm like, I think I missed something. Yeah. But no, just wait. It's one of those where you kind of have to have faith okay. and then like everything will get stitched together later. But it's a little disjointed in the beginning. Let's see where it goes. <clears throat> Let me get a drink. Go on this journey together. Yeah, it's a weird one. It is a weird one. So far, Chaz is my favorite. Um, let's see. Chaz should be the, 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 the person of the story. Right? He's on the front, just looking happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's what I want a book about. Chaz <laughs> and his adventures. Yes. So after work, Ellie decides she's going to walk over to Sarah's house. She wants to check on her. So she starts walking. 
the wind is picked up. I feel like this is um, not really the beginning of fall, but maybe like mid-fall when you're really starting to lose those warmer days and it's starting mm. to turn a lot colder. I feel like that's where we're at. The wind is picked okay. up. It's chilly. It's overcast. And she's walking to Fear Street because Sarah lives on Fear Street. And her house was farther down than Ellie remembered it. So she's walking down the pavement. Fear Street is normally darker than the rest of the streets anyway because of the tall trees. But as she looks at Sarah's house, she realizes that it looks pretty shabby. Something she hadn't really noticed before. And even though they were pretty good friends, there's still a lot that Ellie did not know about Sarah. She'd never actually been inside Sarah's house, for that matter. Sarah just had all that. Sarah had always wanted to hang out somewhere else or go to Ellie's house. Mm. The house seemed dark. There didn't seem to be anybody home. And Ellie starts to turn away when she sees movement in an upstairs window. A curtain lifts and Ellie sees a grinning skull face looking out the window back at her. Oh. And then it's gone. Another vision. And now Ellie thinks that Sarah might be in danger. Maybe that's what this vision means. So she runs back up the steps and starts ringing the bell over and over and pounding on the door to be let in. She's calling for Sarah or just anybody that might be home. And there's no answer. Then she remembers, okay, well, wait a minute. Sarah would be at her job right now. She'd be at Alma's cafe. And she would never miss work because she needs the money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ellie's dad is never home. So it's not like he'll be expecting Ellie to be home after work. So she decides she's going to take that long walk over to the cafe. And this was really cute because Stein talks about how she, like, puts her hands into the pockets of her windbreaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I have to ask, like, did you have a spiffy windbreaker suit? Like a matching set? No. I don't think it ever got cold. I mean, we ha- I had a windbreaker, I'm sure. But never like a matchy, matchy thing. No, you didn't have like the pants and the jacket? Oh, Lord, no. I was a- I never did that. I mean, never got that cold here. And, you know, freezing enough probably to like warrant that. And then like windbreakers were never really my thing. If, I if feel it like wasn't, I had If it wasn't in Delia's, I didn't want it. Like, I was that I was that kid. I was like, no. <laughs> I think I had a pink windbreaker suit. And there oh, may be nice. photo evidence somewhere. Um, if I find it, I will post it. And we will start a let me see your windbreaker <laughs> thread in the group. Because but, this uh, is like high school. She's in high school, right? She is, but yeah. I think that in mm-hmm. middle school, I definitely had a windbreaker. Right. Like, probably yeah. fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. I think that's when I had one, but I never had a suit. I know for sure. And, yeah, for me, once I hit high school, I was, like, I dressed like it was still, like, 1992. Like, I was, like, I am determined to keep grunge alive, even though it's the 2000s. <laughs> I love it. And Did everything was see- from Juliet. <laughs> There was a really, um, uh, I worked in the video store, so I saw, I saw a lot of weird, weird ones. Um, there was one that came out right after Napoleon Dynamite called Eagle versus Shark. Oh, we love that movie. (laughs) Yes. And so like they, 
it's for okay. So for those of you who don't know, you're gonna you're just gonna have to watch it. It's it's absurdist comedy. It's in the same kind of vein as like Napoleon Dynamite, Mm -hmm. and it's um oh they're in New Zealand, aren't they? Yes, because it's I think I don't remember exactly who wrote it. I think it was the same people who wrote Flight of the who are in and write Flight of the Concord. So if you're a Flight of the Concord fan, you will like best movie because it's basically a movie skit sort of more absurdist but a movie version of flight of the concords and if you just like jimane clement you will love it anyway because he's so good in it but yeah well there's there's a scene in that movie where she's like hanging out with his family and they're having a party and she's like i don't have any cool party gear and they're like oh we got you and they get her this like jewel toned windbreaker suit yeah I love it. Sorry. Sorry. Windbreaker aside. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so she's got her hands in her windbreaker. She's walking over to the cafe. She's made it about three or four blocks when she notices that there's a Jeep following her. And it's kind of slowing down on the road behind her. So she turns to look. And it's Brian. He offers her a ride. And she very smartly tells him to fuck off because she does not know him. And she's never told him her name, so he's, you know, he's up to something. She tells him to kick rocks. Brian lies and says, well, oh, I I heard the librarian call your name, and that's how I knew your name. And she's like, no, you didn't. The librarian calls me Miss Anderson. And Brian's like, um, okay, okay, okay. I got it from your friend at the cafe. I thought you were really cute. I just wanted to know what your name was. And he keeps trying to, like, talk her into the car. And she keeps telling him that he's acting creepy and, you know, fuck off. And he finally, finally leaves. She keeps walking. The bell jingles as Ellie bursts into Alma's. And she starts looking around for Sarah, but she's not there. The only person there is Ernie, who is the cook and owner of Alma's cafe. Apparently, Alma was his cat. He named... It's neither here nor there. I just thought it was cute. Um, So she sits down at the counter and Ernie tells her that Sarah has not been in today and she hasn't called, which is completely not like her. Then the bell rings again and Brian walks in. So is this like either cute or stalkery? Where are we leaning with Brian's aggressive approach? I feel like we're verging on that like Hallmark movie, Lifetime movie. It's I'm definitely a stalker, but you're supposed to like me. Right. Like I don't know if you watched you on Netflix. It's it's sort of in that vein too. Okay. Like you know, well, you goes a little crazier, but it starts off in a very similar vein of like oh, there's this guy and he's likable and stuff, but then, oh man, he's actually really a crazy stalker. (laughs) Right. So I think it's it's sort of going on that bent of like, are you going to kill me or are you actually a nice person? We don't know. We don't know. And sometimes it's hard to tell, but she is now in a public place. Mm -hmm. So I guess she's not feeling quite as threatened as like him trying to get her in the car. Yeah, that's weird. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, he asked her if the seat next to her is taken. And she, she, you know, she's kind of flirting with him a little bit. She's like, you know, well, it is. It's taken for the Queen of England. <laughs> he's like, well, you know, when she shows up, I'll, I'll get up. I'll move, you know. 
And yeah. so they kind of have this banter and he decides like, oh, they should have some burgers. So like he orders them some burgers and they actually, they have a meal. They have this like little mini date and they're getting along and she kind of likes Brian. So much so that when he offers to drive her home, she decides now it's okay. They're just about getting ready to leave when Lieutenant Wilkins, who remembers Sarah's dad, walks into the cafe and Ellie rushes him. She wants to know where Sarah is. How is she? How's she doing? She hasn't talked to her. And Wilkins is like, yeah, no, Sarah's okay, but um, she's gone to stay with her aunt for a few days. Mm-hmm. And he was just coming to tell Ernie that, you know, she's not going to be in work for a few days. She's kind of upset. Ellie kind of knows why she might be upset. So she doesn't bring it up further with her dad. She's satisfied. But she does have to get home now because she's been gone for a while. So she turns to tell Brian that it's time to go. But he's gone. Where did and she go? asked Ernie if she saw where Brian went. And Ernie's like, uh, well, when Wilkins came in, you know, he threw down some money for your burgers and he took off pretty fast. But Ellie still needs oh. to get home. So this is the first time that, like, we get a look at Ellie's dad. Ellie walks home. And dad is kind of grumpy. When she gets home, he's reading the paper about the dead body found in the woods. And Ellie knows that, you know, she has to tell him that it was her who found the body. But she's careful not to mention her powers because even the mention of them seems to make her dad angry. Like he pretty much thinks that she's making things up. Mm. And dad is immediately angry to find out that she was in the woods at night and that she was talking to the police. And Ellie's like, I find a dead body. What was I supposed to do? Not talk to the police? And his dad's and dad's basically yelling at her like, yeah, you should have just left because I said so because I don't want you around the police at all. And Ellie flips out. She's like, why are you being so weird? Why wouldn't you want me to report this to the police? And her dad gets kind of sad and says he just doesn't want her ending up like her mother. Ellie's confused because yeah. she was always told that her mother died of an appendicitis when she was two years old. But dad confesses that the truth is that Ellie's mom was murdered and that they didn't tell her because she was too young to understand. Dad says that some crazy guy was let out of jail when he shouldn't have, and this dude killed a little girl in town and then killed Ellie's mom. Jeez. I know. I know. Bear with me here. This is the bear with me episode. There's so (laughs) many things happening, and it will make sense eventually. I know what you're thinking. I I know I went back and I read this part twice just to make sure because I was sure that I had missed something, but that's it. He just dumped on her that her mom was killed years ago by some serial killer, and he's lied to her about it all these years. Allie is shocked, but it kind of explains why her dad has always been so weird about her mom. She decides to go upstairs. She's going to take a hot shower. She's she's trying to process, okay? she's It's been a day. It's been a couple of days. She closes her eyes, and when she opens them again, there is a big silver knife hovering over the shower head and the shower is now spilling hot blood all over her and not water and the tub is filling up with hot blood and she jumps and is startled obviously she slips and hits her head on the bathtub and goes down into the bathtub full of steaming hot 
blood. And she can hear screaming in the bathroom, but it's not her. It's screaming for help. And she thinks that she can recognize her mother's voice. But then the voice is gone. And dad's knocking on the door asking if she's okay. Then the blood is gone. And she's laying in the tub with the water on. It's been another vision. But she doesn't want to talk to her dad about it because he hates her visions. So she says, oh, you know, I'm fine. And dad says that she has a phone call from Brian somebody. She tells dad, tell Brian she's already gone to bed. She dries off. She puts on her robe. She heads to the kitchen to ask her dad specifically how her mother died. Because this was a crazy vision. It has to do something with a knife. Her dad can't. He can't talk about it. It's too emotional. It's too painful. He can't tell her any more than that her mother was killed. And then... Ellie has an epiphany. She remembers she literally works at the library. And then she goes to bed with a plan to find out how her mom was killed. The next day, before she starts shelving books, she heads to the town record section to do some research and to try and find out how exactly her mother died. Maybe this will explain why she keeps seeing the knife and the blood all the time. And of course, the old newspapers are on microfiche, so she selects the rolls of microfiche for the months uh, that she thinks that her mother was killed. And she quickly finds it, as a murder in a small town definitely is a front page headline. And the headline reads, Shadyside Woman Attacked, Stabbed to Death. The article said that Louise Anderson Ellie's mom was found stabbed to death and that her two-year-old daughter, Ellie, was found crying in her stroller a few feet away. And Ellie has a flashback of watching her mother die. Not the attacker, but the bit where she's like been stabbed many times and falls dead on the ground. No wonder dad is so fucked up. His young wife took his toddler out for a stroll and was stabbed to death and left on the side of Fear Street. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a brutal one. That is brutal. Well, and the Mm -hmm. the baby watched it go down and then the killer just left the baby there. Strapped into the stroller. Ellie keeps reading the next article. Ellie keeps reading, and the next article says that the suspected murderer had been caught, that the man was found to have bloody clothes and a knife at his house, but the police could not think of a motive for the crime, as this man didn't seem to be connected in any way to the woman who was murdered. And then there's a fade out. (laughs) And I just wrote here, wow, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) After work, Ellie just has this feeling, you know, she gets these feelings. She has a feeling that Sarah is still in Shadyside. She doesn't think Sarah's at the aunt's house. She can't explain why, but she feels like her friend is near. So she decides to walk back over to Sarah's house and knock on the door again. And of course, there's no answer, but Ellie's just kind of got this feeling. So she tries the door and it's unlocked. She lets herself in. She goes up to Sarah's room, where she finds Sarah, 
not dead, but like super depressed. Like Sarah has not gotten out of bed since probably she saw her last. She says she's not sure what's going on with her dad. Her dad's been acting crazy. He won't tell her anything. He only comes home to eat. And Sarah is just so, so upset. It was her sister's body that they found. Um, and her dad is totally shutting her out about it. Ellie kind of gives Sarah a big hug. Sarah starts crying. She's breaking down into hysterics and she's like sobbing pretty hard. And eventually she kind of falls asleep there with Ellie. Ellie tucks her into her bed. She leaves her room. And then she notices that there's an open door across the hall. And she decides this must have been Melinda's room. Mm-hmm. And she goes to check it out. She's looking at all the things in the pictures in Sarah's dead sister's room. And she comes across a picture, a school picture of Melinda. And Melinda looks, you know, she looks young and beautiful. She's, she's made up in a certain kind of way that suggests that she's probably popular, you know, well-liked. She looks charismatic. But as Ellie studies the picture, the girl's face starts to change. And this big charismatic smile slowly changes into this look of like abject terror, as if the person taking the picture was a threat. Ellie drops the picture, the frame breaks, and she runs from the room. She's freaked out, the picture has changed in her hand, she's not having that. She keeps running. Like, out of the house, down the block. She's in, like, full-on freak-out mode. She hears footsteps behind her. She looks back. And, of course, trips. Causing the person who is following right behind her to fall on top of her. Danielle guesses to who's (laughs) right behind her. Oh, what's the dude's name? Brian. The dude. Brian. It's Brian, and we were all shocked. The hot, (laughs) but creepy, but hot, we don't know if he's going to kill us guy. Brian is just the hot, right? Sometimes, you know, it's been a minute. Brian is just super weird, okay? He says that he called her house to talk to her again, but that she wasn't there, so he figured that she had gone to check on her friend. He saw her walking, he followed her, he tried to call out and get her attention, but then she started running, so he thought, well, I'll just chase her. Um, it all makes perfect sense, don't look at the paper. He sits down beside her, very close, and says, you know, hey, I just wanted to explain why I ran out of the diner the other night. Brian claims that when he saw the cop, he panicked because, you know what, he's got a lot of parking tickets. And he had just parked the Jeep in a no-parking zone outside, so he wanted to run out there and move the Jeep and not get a ticket. Um, This guy has mental problems. Actually, that was the most believable part of his story, because I can tell you from personal experience, there's no parking on campus. Like, if he really does go to college, he probably does have some parking tickets. But... See, I don't know. I don't like that he's like, I saw you walking and I ran. <laughs> like, the fuck? <laughs> I decided to chase you. <laughs> Romantic. <laughs> like, no, it's not. No, it is not. <laughs> this he's is definitely the, like, 
Lifetime movies where the guy is going to end up being the killer because he's too weird. That's not what we meant by Thrill of the Chase. Um, No. But anyways, he's really sorry and he's been trying to track her down to apologize because he wants to ask her out on like a legitimate date for like a movie or something. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Yay. This is the stalker love story. I mean, can we? Okay. Quick breakdown. Ellie. Mom dies when she's two, murdered horribly in front of her. She then moves away where she has visions all the time where her dad never believes her. They finally move back to Shadyside. She finds a friend who then she has a vision that leads her to her friend's older sister's dead body in the woods. Meanwhile, she's being stalked by this rando who seems to know more than he should know. And also her friend's having a breakdown. And her dad has admitted that he's lied to her. Like, Ellie's going through some shit. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but... I, don't I mean, know. I feel like I would just go in my house and I'd be like, fuck all y'all. <laughs> yeah, I would just take <laughs> like, a mental break. Like, I'm gonna yeah. go take a little break and bye. Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> I think at some point I'd be like, you know what? Time out. Like, time let's, out. Let's watch the drink again, all the way from the beginning, and we'll we'll yeah. have more perspective after. That show will fix anything, as anything. will the great as will the Great British Bake Off. Yes, but then I want to eat food, and I'm on Noom now, and I'm trying to be good. Well, you can't eat the food they make, so you can just like want to eat it. But then you go to your cabinet, and you're like, man, none of this food is cute. Or a pastry. So F it. <laughs> but see, I will make the pastry, though. Like, I'll you watch it and be like, will. I could make that I'll shit. No. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, Danielle gets an Oreo. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to eat everything when I watch that show. But then, like I said, I want it to be that beautiful when I eat it. Like, I want it to True. be they have an obsession with bread that has shit in it that I would not ever put in. Oh, I know. And I'm curious about how that tastes. Me too. So my friend and I, he lives in Illinois, and we te- we text about shows all the time. We watch the same stuff. And British Bake Off is one of our shows that we text about. And so um, I think it was the bread one. It must have been. where they. I, I don't know if you watch the most current season that's on right now, but she makes – she puts salmon – in the bread and I'm like she made fish bread she made fish bread and we're like do you have to put that in the refrigerator you have to like we were freaking out I'm like this is not okay take the fish out of the bread and the judges loved it and I'm like I'm like no I'm like I don't want fish bread I don't want yeah but what if you put like what if you had a slice of the fish bread and then put like some cream cheese and capers on top it would probably be delicious maybe but it freaked me it freaked us out I was like Fish bread. I was like, no, because like you Fish said, bread. there's just, there's You're too fired. much stuff in the bread. Yeah. There's too much stuff in the bread, and there's like sausage in the bread. And but this one, she won that week. Like she won the challenge, and they love the fish bread. But I, I was disturbed. I was like, England, yeah. what are you doing, fish bread? Like we like fish though. They eat more fish. They do. They do. 
but yeah, you're right. They do the bread bread week is always like a good week because there's always like pretty bread they make. But then when they always make like the filled bread, I'm like, Bleh, I'm out. I'm like, no. Yeah, I'm, like, they do a lot of like. Bread. Yeah, I kind of want to be like, hey guys, the plague is over. We don't, we don't need that <laughs> yeah. anymore. Okay. <laughs> right? Like a like a Mrs. Lovitz kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm sorry for my tangent. Anywho, no bread is always welcome. <laughs> Ellie is ready. She's ready for Brian. She she wants to go out with him. She's she's going through some things. Is where we came to, and she needs to treat herself. Like she, you know what? Yes, I'm gonna go on a date with this hot guy because I need to think about something else right now. She's and she tells him she's like, you know, I really feel like I should say no. And then he comes out of nowhere with like a is it because of what happened with your last boyfriend? And Ellie is like the fuck you just say? <laughs> she's like I never told you anything about a boyfriend and Brian does that thing where he's like, um you just seem kind of skittish around guys. It's like it's that asshole thing that men do sometimes when they're being rejected. And it's like, who hurt you? Oh, gross. Right? Yeah, it's super just gross. just getting grosser. Like, I just hate him. Yeah, it's it's super gross. By the way, guys, don't ever pull that shit. We do not want to hear that. It could just be that we don't like you. Um, <laughs> shocker. Shocker. Maybe <laughs> if you don't have emotional baggage, maybe you're just an asshole. So she's gearing up to tell him, you know, go fuck himself. When Brian suggests that since it's one of the last warm days of the season, they should have a picnic by Fear Lake. And the canoe rental place is probably still open. They could row out to Fear Island and have this picnic. He even suggests that Chaz could come along as her bodyguard if she was still kind of uncertain about him. And clearly, Brian understands labs because labs aren't protecting shit. Like, you're going to pet them and they're your best friend forever. But Ellie is like, you know what? I've had a shit week. This hot guy wants to picnic on an island in the middle of a lake and my dog can come too? Yes. Wow. She says yes. She's going to go on this date with Brian. I think we'd all say yes. Uh, well, and you know, we can, you were like at the lowest of the low. Yeah, there's that. But also, you know, we talk a big game, but at the same time, attractive people are hard to say no to. It is. It's difficult. Even when you should, even when you should. So the next morning is Saturday morning. It's the Saturday morning before the date. Ellie is watching the news. She's eating her bowl of cereal and they're reporting on Melinda's death. The reporter on TV is asking Sarah's dad why no one followed up on his hunch that his daughter had been killed a few years ago because Sarah had, uh, excuse me, Melinda had been written off as a runaway. Sarah's Mm. dad said they never found any evidence of foul play and Melinda's friends said that they knew for a fact that Melinda and her boyfriend were planning on running away together that day. Melinda's boyfriend went missing the same day that Melinda did, and Wilkins had always just thought that Melinda's boyfriend was murdered right along with Melinda. 
Now that Melinda's body has been found, they're stepping up the search for Melinda's boyfriend, whose name was Brett. Brett Hawkins. Brett and the sounds like a murderer. The reporter says that anyone with information about Brett should call the police. It does. Ellie picks up the phone to call Sarah to check on her, but of course there's no answer. She looks at the clock and she sees that, oh no, Brian's going to be picking her up soon for her date. So she goes, she gets ready, she gets Chaz, she's like, hey, you know, we're going to go out and have some fun today, buddy. Like, let's get you together, get this leash and all that good stuff. Brian picks them up and they drive to Fear Lake. Brian runs off to rent a canoe. And I have a question. <laughs> this is not the first time that this comes up. What the hell are chinos? I think they're like a version. They are pants. Well, they can be short too, but I know they're a type of pants. They're very, they're very similar to khakis, but the material is different. Old Navy makes them every year. Usually, they're 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 pants. So Stein says that Ellie likes the way Brian looks in his chinos. Yeah, so it, she must like the way he looks. So I didn't know if that was some kind of like weird East Coast Yankee slang or like, I've just never heard the pants. Were, are they like cargo pants? No, they're like a khaki pant. They're just like a basic slacks kind of style of pants. I make clothes for a living. How do I not know <laughs> what the, okay. But yes, yes, I was like, what is this? And I could have Googled it, but it was more fun what to ask. <laughs> Well, so she likes them, whatever they are, and apparently it's a nice rear view. And he gets, gets a canoe. He gets a canoe rented, and they all pile into the boat. They take turns rowing and flirting and vibing all the way to the island. They pull the canoe on shore, and they get out a basket and a blanket, and Chaz frolics in the water nearby. They lay out good the Good old Chaz. Good old Chaz. Um, holding this book together. He is. But Brian does score some points here because I feel like his choice for the picnic lunch was fried chicken. Nice. Yeah, he could probably get it. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Picnic and fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Ellie feels that way, too. Good because there's some, like, hot kissing going on on oh. this blanket. And after the makeout session, Brian asks, you know, if she wants an apple. And she's like, yeah, sure. So he pulls out an apple. And then he pulls out a long silver knife from the basket. And it is the same knife that Ellie has been seeing in her visions over I knew it. I knew it. Again. Brian must have noticed her reaction because he just laughs and he's like, oh, yeah, I love this knife. It's, uh, it looks pretty gnarly, but, you know, it belongs to my grandfather. He takes it everywhere. Ellie is spooked, so she tells Brian she can't see Chaz anymore. She needs to go find Chaz, so she runs off down the beach. She finds the puppy. She calms herself down. She's telling herself, and she's talking to Chaz. She's like, okay, I'm just overreacting. Like, it, it, maybe it's not the same knife. Like, he's not done anything threatening. I really like Brian. I don't want to fuck this up like I did with my other boyfriend. And Chaz is just licking her like, yep, that's a good idea. Just calm down. So she basically hugs the dog until she calms herself down and then she goes back to find Brian. They all get in the canoe and they start to paddle back to the car. 
About halfway across the lake, Brian says Ellie's name. And he says it in kind of a weird way. She's sitting in the front of the canoe and they're both facing the lake shore. And she kind of ignores him because she feels like, okay, he noticed my freak out. He's gonna tell me that he doesn't really wanna go on another date with me again. I don't, I don't really wanna have this conversation. So when he says her name again, she does this weird thing where she, she turns to look at him, but as she does, she kind of half stands out of the canoe for some reason. And then she starts to lose her balance. But as this happens, Brian like air tackles her. He like jumps and like grabs her around the waist and the two of them fall out of the canoe, leaving Chaz in the canoe that is still upright. <laughs> He would have jumped in the water too. To save right? Him. So she's in this dirty water. She's swimming. She, she's she's trying to get back to the surface, but she feels something grab her ankle and pull her down. And she kicks hard. She breaks the hold. She she breaks the surface of the water. And she's gasping for air. She sees the canoe. She swims over to the canoe. She kind of climbs up on the side, but she doesn't see Brian anywhere. And Chaz is barking his head off. A nearby fisherman is is rowing his fishing boat closer to them because he can hear the dog barking. But Ellie starts looking around for Brian. And she sees him a few feet away. He's floating face down in the water. She swims over to get him. She turns him on his back. He is still breathing. And the fisherman helps them into his rowboat where Brian is revived and they all make it back to shore. The fisherman is giving them a ride back to Brian's car. And Brian is kind of sheepish, but he's pretty worn out. Like he almost drowned. And the two of them are talking. They're trying to piece together exactly what happened. And this is what they come up with. So Brian says that he asked Ellie a question. Ellie turned around and kind of standed up, stood up in a weird way, and he could see that she was losing her balance. So he tried to catch her before she fell out of the boat, but instead he ended up knocking her out of the boat on accident, and then they both went under. And when he went under, he got like a mouthful of water, and he couldn't breathe, and he was having trouble. He was sinking. So he was reaching up and pulling on anything he could find, she thinks that he was the one pulling her ankle down, but that he wasn't doing it on purpose. He was just drowning because when people drown, they will pull down anything around them. It's your body's natural reaction. Mm -hmm. So that's what they think happened. He's embarrassed. He falls kind of asleep on her lap as they're driving back to his car because they weren't near his car, I guess, wherever the fisherman was. And as he's, Fallen back asleep, he kind of mumbles one word in his sleep. And all he says is Melinda. So, Danielle, where's your money at now? I mean, the obvious has to be him. We think it's Brian. I mean, I thought it was him all along. But it's probably too obvious, but I mean, he's so weird. Mm-hmm. He's a weirdy McWeirderson. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That night after being dropped off, Ellie takes a shower. She goes to the police station to talk to Wilkins. She still can't reach Sarah, and she wants to, to talk to Wilkins to uh, 
check and see how Sarah's doing, but also to see if Melinda ever knew a boy named Brian Tanner. Wilkins says he doesn't remember any boy named Brian ever hanging around, but he does show Ellie a picture of Melinda's boyfriend, Brett Hawkins. And guess what? Brett and Brian are the same person. And we were all shocked. I'm going to need you to be more surprised, Danielle. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're so shocked. He's older, which is roughly the same age as what an older sister for Sarah would be. Right. We didn't put that together. But as she's examining the picture of Brian slash Brett, the room starts to fade away. And the vision that followed, she's shown a large oak tree in the woods, at the base of which is a hole where a long silver knife is buried. And then the vision leaves, and Wilkins is still talking, saying that they don't have any new leads on where Brett's body could be. Ellie announces that she can help him with that, that she has visions. It was these visions that led her to the body of his daughter in the Fear Woods, and that if they go back out there, she thinks that she can find the murder weapon as well. Wilkins says that he'll take her out there if she really thinks she can find it, and they go. It's late and kind of dark, but Ellie's able to locate the big tree from her vision, and she points out the hole to Wilkins. He reaches in, but he can't quite get down into the bottom. His hands are too big. He suggests that Ellie try, but he gives her some gloves first, because if there is a knife down there, that's evidence. So she puts on the gloves and reaches into the hole. And she pulls out a long silver knife. Wilkins recognizes it immediately. He said that Brett was always flashing that knife around and that this whole time he thought that Brett was killed with Melinda. But now it seems that Brett is actually the killer. Ellie announced that she knows where he is and explained all about Brian and how she's kind of dating him. But she's not sure where he lives. Um, And Wilkins starts to drive her home he's like okay well that's more information than we had on the case in like two years and she's like well can you stop the car because i i just want to walk like i want to get out and walk the rest of the way home and he's like yeah i don't think so brian's slash brett is a killer it's probably not a good idea and she's like no you know i'm just i'm processing a lot i want to walk home i'm not i'm not under any danger from him because he doesn't know that I know he's not who he says. Right. And Wilkin kind of, he agrees. He's like, okay, but you know, if you hear from him, you need, you need to call me right away. So she gets out of the car. She starts walking. He drives off and immediately there's a sound coming out of a nearby bush. And Sarah jumps out. She's barefoot and wearing her bathrobe. Okay. What? She's yelling at Ellie to find out where her father is. She had just called the station and they told her there had been a break in the case and she wants to talk to her father. And Ellie tries to calm her down and she tells her all about Brian, the boy they met at the cafe, and how he was really Brett, her older sister's boyfriend. And she's like, you know, it's okay. Your your dad knows everything. Like, he's going to help us. And crazy Sarah flips out. She starts yelling, no, 
and you don't understand, no one does. And she starts running down the middle of the street. Another runner. Still barefoot. And this part's kind of funny because Ellie is done. (laughs) She's drained. She is exhausted. She has no more fucks left. She just lets her go. (laughs) She watches her friend run down the street in her robe. And then she kind of turns and keeps heading for home. (laughs) Sorry about it. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And when she gets there, her house is dark. Chaz greets her at the door. She sees her dad sitting in the chair in the front room, but wait a minute, it's not her dad. It's Brian slash Brett. He stands up, he demands to know why she showed Wilkins the knife. And she tries to play it off like, oh, that knife that you had at the picnic? And he corrects her, no, the knife that was buried under the oak tree. She tries to make a run for it. He catches her around the waist, they struggle. He's like, no, no, you have to hear me out. I didn't kill Melinda. I loved her. We were going to run away together. When Wilkins starts banging on the door, open up. It's the police. Ellie screams, I'm in here. And Brett tells her to stop. That's Wilkins. And she's like, I know he's a cop. You're crazy and a killer. That's why I want him to come in here. And she makes a break for the back door. He's not able to catch her. Wilkins comes in and arrests Brian slash Brett. And all was well. It was over. Danielle, do you think it was over? No. No, it's not fucking over. Ellie's dad gets home from work. She explains what happens and then goes upstairs to take a shower. When she gets out of the shower, dad is sitting at the kitchen table. He's looking worried. Wilkins called while she was in the shower. So Brian, the guy he just arrested had escaped. Somehow, he had slipped out of his cuffs when they were taking him to the station, and he ran off. And now... Everyone is running away. ...think that he might come after Ellie. And Wilkins called to see if she could come into the station to help them. Ellie says that she has to go. She has to go in the station to try to help him. But her dad stops her. Dad tells her that her mother had visions too. When the little girl went missing years ago, her mother had a dream about the little girl's uncle being the person who killed her. She told the police and the police arrested the uncle, but they didn't have enough evidence to keep him. When he was let out of jail, he tracked down Ellie's mother and stabbed her to death on the street. So dad doesn't want Ellie helping the police and risking the same thing happening all over. But Ellie convinces him that she has to go. So when she gets to the station, she tries to help Wilkins, but she doesn't really have much information about Brian slash Brett. I mean, she went on a few days with him, but she doesn't know where he lives or where he works or like his license plate, any of those things. She doesn't know anything. Right. But Wilkins has established with her that she has visions. So he suggests that she hold this photo of him and try to have a vision. And she's like, hey, asshole, that's not how it works. But she tries. She holds this picture of Brett. And 
The only thing that comes to her is the color yellow or dark gold. That's it. And so Wilkins is like, well, thanks. Thanks for trying, I guess. And on the drive home, the streets are pretty much deserted. Ellie's kind of thinking about things. And for some reason, it's this moment that it clicks with her that no one has checked on Sarah. Not since Sarah was last seen running down the middle of the street in her bathroom. You know, Sarah, her friend, who's having a breakdown. So yeah, so she goes to Sarah's house. The door is open again. She goes in the front door. She lets herself in. And as she's doing this, she's decided that the reason that Sarah is acting all crazy is that Sarah must know something about her sister's murder. Mm -hmm. This is not a normal reaction of grief. Yeah. So she walks upstairs and she knocks on Sarah's door. She calls out to her, but there's no answer from Sarah's room. There is, however, a sound coming from across the hall in Melinda's room. It's Sarah. And she's throwing things and she's telling Ellie that Ellie ruined everything. Ellie opens the door and finds Sarah on Melinda's bed and she has trashed Melinda's room. Sarah yells at Ellie for finding the body and stirring everything up again. And then Sarah starts screaming about how she hated Melinda, how Melinda had everything. Melinda was pretty and popular and her dad loved her more. Their dad had had, their dad and Melinda had had a big fight and her dad had told Melinda that she could not see Brett anymore. So Sarah was all but too happy to help arrange for the two of them to run away together so that Sarah could be free of her perfect sister. So she helped Sarah meet up with Brett the night that she was killed. So in Sarah's mind, she has all but killed her older sister. And as Ellie tries to tell her friend that she wasn't responsible for Melinda's death, she starts to have another vision. She's sucked into the carpet where she's being buried alive. It feels very real. She can feel the dirt coming into her mouth and under her fingernails. She's crawling, but she cannot get out of this hole. And when the vision is over, she's laying on the floor with a very confused Sarah watching her. Ellie explains about the visions and says that Melinda wants her to go back to the gravesite and find something important that the cops must have overlooked. Sarah decided immediately that she believes her and that she's going to go too. She's going to go help. So Sarah gets dressed and grabs her dad's, quote, spare gun in case they run into Brett while trying to find whatever is still in that grave. My spare gun. I, I keep laying around. Yeah, the extra one, you know. Um <laughs> I have three paragraphs left, so we're going to land this plane. They make it out to the woods, to two girls, and they start digging through the crime scene. It takes a while because it's dark and they only have one flashlight, but after a few minutes of searching, Ellie finds the thing they're looking for. It's a little gold button. And as she and Sarah are looking at it, Brett steps out from behind the trees. He's asking, did she find it? Did she find the button? He already knew what they had dug up and she has another vision. 
where she can see Melinda struggling with someone. They're strong, but she can't see who it is. She drops the button and Sarah picks it up to get a closer look. Brett steps forward saying that he wants to see it as well, but then they hear, freeze, nobody move. And they all look up to see Wilkins step from behind a tree as well. He has his gun pointed at Brett and he starts yelling that he's not gonna get away this time and that the girls should run. And a shot is fired. <laughs> Wilkins screams and grabs his shoulder. Sarah was standing behind him with the spare gun. She's holding the button and she says that she's figured it out, Dad. She remembers the night that Melinda went missing. He was so upset because he had lost a button from his uniform. And she was so upset about her sister, she never thought to question him about it, that it was weird for him to be worrying about a button when his daughter had gone missing. Sarah knows that Dad killed Melinda. Dad starts crying and yelling, it was an accident. They fought, she fell, she hit her head, and she died instantly. So he took her to the woods and stabbed her with a knife that looked like Brett's and buried her in the woods. This was all Brett's fault after all. He wanted to run away with Melinda, ruin her future, ruin their family. He was going to get revenge on Brett by pinning his daughter's murder on him. Wow. Dad tries to shoot Brett again, but the shot misses, and now Dad has lost a lot of blood, and he tells Sarah to go and call for help at his squad car before passing out. There's a fade out. The next scene is Brett and Ellie on her couch. Brett is explaining that the night he went to meet up with Melinda, she never showed. He figured she had changed her mind about running away, and he went home. When he got home, his mom said that Wilkins had come by the house looking for Brett to arrest him for his daughter's murder. And Brett figured out what really happened and went on the run, where he's been for the last two years, just laying low. You see, Brett has visions. He's had them ever since he was little. The only reason he came back to Shadyside was that he was shown Ellie in a vision. Oh. He knew they could team up and bring an end to all this. And as well, and as everything is well wrapped up and stitched up, and we understand all the questions, there is a kiss, and that's how it ends. A kiss? Yeah, he says something corny like, I have a vision of our future. It looks like this. And then he goes in for a kiss. And that's wow. it. Yay. That was a ride. Oh, my God. We did answer all the questions, at least. We did. We did. Because, you know, we've done this dance before where, like, we, you know, cast a wide net of different things and then only sewn up a couple of things. Yeah, that is true. But at least we did get answers to all yeah. the things. At least we weren't left wondering. And I truly can't tell if it is, like, my COVID brain right now or... 
And I don't have COVID. I mean that by like, I might actually be losing my mind if my brain's not working in the way that it's supposed to. Or if, if I just wrote the episode too fast, but did that make sense? Did everything? I think so. I mean, there was a little weirdness, but it's sort of like one of those that sort of goes like all over the place. Like it wraps up, but it does go all over the place and things kind of end abruptly. Like maybe he had the ending figured out first. Yeah, because it's like going along and then all of a sudden it's like, we know the murder is over, you know. Did you think it was her dad? No. My bets were always on the guy. I thought it might have been Sarah, I think. Yeah. I had a moment when she was like running out of the woods in her robe. I was like, oh, maybe. Well, and then I thought maybe we were going to get, like, some kind of a serial killer tieback. Like, yeah. Like, I referenced that knife being his grandfather's. And I was like, okay, yeah. maybe his grandfather was a serial killer and maybe he's still on the loose. Maybe he's protecting Ellie from being, like, I don't know. All in all, we make the book better with our theory. <laughs> yeah. that would have been cool. Yeah, I, I really thought that that might have been like a like a road we were heading down, but no, it mm-hmm. was her dad, which is weird. I I don't think that we got enough motive. No, I wish we found out that like maybe she was pregnant, mm-hmm. maybe like something else was happening. But like we didn't even get a ton of motive for why he didn't want them to be together, other than the fact that like when they were dating, Brett was kind of a punk. Like he yeah. like, had kind of like long hair and like acted kind of tough. But that was it. Like, there wasn't any, like, reference to drug use or no. anything that would, like, lead a parent to go, no. I think that their, our major takeaway is that Chaz is the best. Yes. Chaz is the winner of this book. We appreciate Chaz, and we appreciate that he did not die. I think this is the first time that we've had a dog that didn't yeah, die. Yeah, even in Goosebumps. Well, no, we've, had, we've, had, we've had dogs live in Goosebumps, too, so that's good. Well, if you enjoyed Chaz and this episode, we would really appreciate some new reviews as we only have 11 right now on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're listening on Spotify, which I hear all the cool kids are doing these days, that's another place I think you can also leave reviews. So we could really use them. We really would like some feedback, five stars only. If you have negative feedback, just like send us a private message and maybe we'll read it and maybe we'll respond. Probably not, but you never know. Just, just leave us a review. (laughs) And if you're on Twitter, please do not send me stuff that is weird. I've gotten (laughs) things that are weird. Oh no. no. I'm not interested in your OnlyFans. I'm not interested in your pictures of eggplants. I don't. No, thank you. Just thank nice you. reviews. That's all we're interested Just in. Just nice reviews. Five stars for Chaz. Five stars for Chaz. There you go. If you like Chaz, leave a review. Five stars for Chaz. Not even for us. Just for Chaz. Yeah, dicks out for Chaz. Um, <laughs> next week, Danielle is back in the driver's seat. We have missed her. She's coming back. She is going to be bringing us Say Cheese and Die. But until next time, we are out. Like 2020.
Fuck 2020. <laughs> Fuck 2020. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.